He puts his finger in my face and he goes, son, let me tell you something. If I treated my cancer the way you have treated racing in your life, I would have been dead five effing years ago. Wow. Turns around, walks away, does not say another word. Here's this life event that has changed the trajectory of my life. It has kept me down for a while. I was upset about it. I was, I, it's something we live with on a daily basis. My dad's quality of life has been altered. And here he is telling me to, to just get it together. Like, what are you doing? It's the Kenny Wallace Conversation brought to you by Jags. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Kenny Conversation brought to you by Jags, the leader in high-performance aftermarket car parts. Remember to go to jags.com if you want to fix your vehicle up. Truck, car, it doesn't matter. Well, all right, this is most likely the most intriguing the most interesting Kenny conversation I've ever done in my life. Please welcome in the man that made national news on Twitter about two weeks ago, Stephen Malazzi. Stephen, how you doing? Good, Kenny. How are you, my friend? Well, I'm doing really good. We uh, we were talking right before we came on the air. And, uh, you know, when I was a kid growing up in school, you know, my last name is Wallace. Of course, they tried to get me, and they'd call me Wall-Ass, and we <laughs> went through that. So I was talking to you. I said, is it Stephen or Stefan? You said it's Stephen. But tell the story about Malazi or Malazi. How did they hatchet your name up early in your racing career? So I have heard everything, Kenny, so the worst one was Malazazi. Uh, I don't even know how you get that far off, to be honest with you. But the popular one was Malozzi. And that's because when I was a kart racer, um, everybody knew me. There was a commentator who was like really reputable, well-known, national series race. And I was a personable guy, even as a 14-year-old. So I walked up to him like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm Steven. And he's like, oh, Steven Malozzi. And I was too shy to correct him. So then when he hopped on the mic, he called me Malozzi, and then everybody knew me as Malozzi for the rest of the time I was in karting. And strangely enough, Josh Rayum grew up doing road tax kart racing just like I did, and he was kind of like my liaison into the NASCAR world. So he had actually seen clips of me race, and they had called me Malozzi in those clips too. So he assumed that my name was Malozzi. So then when I started meeting people in NASCAR, he'd introduce me as Stephen Malozzi. And just like when I was in karting, I was kind of too afraid to be like, yeah, it's actually Malazi. So I kind of just let it run. And a lot Malazzi. of people. Yeah. Very Italian. Very, uh, yeah. Very New Jersey Italian, which yeah, you know, where I'm from. That's awesome. Well, you fit right in there with Dean, Matthew D and Bendetto. Uh, you know, that that's, that's a tongue twister too, but uh, it's still a beautiful name. I love it. It's, it's true Italian. And uh well, welcome to Kenny Conversation. Let's get right at it, my friend. Uh, Let's do it. There's so much to talk about, uh, but yet you're so young. Uh, I'm going to read this off, and you tell me uh, how wrong I am, how right I am. Uh, okay. 22 years old, started go-karts at nine years old, won multiple Northeast go-kart championships, You've run four NASCAR Craftsman truck races. 
Is, is this correct? Yes, it is, sir. Well, you made, you made national news and you, you caught my eye uh, for all the right reasons because in this era, everybody sits back and, and they say, I, I can't make it in racing. I don't have any money. But the tweet that kind of rocked America was, and we'll have Charlie put it right here. It was incredible. You said, I went and ran the NASCAR Craftsman truck race at Martinsville. And you said the very next day, you were waiting tables at your job yeah. out at Steakhouse. Tell me yep. all about this. Yep. There are, there are so many prongs to this story, Kenny, and I hope we can get to all of them in, in this one episode of Kenny Conversation. But that tweet in particular was nuts because if you remember Martinsville, not only I had a crap race, it was terrible. I was running good. I was learning a lot. It was my first ever oval start battery dies. And of course it somehow ends up being the one short track race where everybody's running at the finish. So in the truck series too. So I finished last and it was on and off rain delays. I ended up leaving the track at 1230 and I lived at the time in my college apartment in Charlottesville, which is about three hours away. I went to university of Virginia for undergrad. I do the trek home by myself alone in the car. I drive myself back to my apartment. I get there at 3.30. I crash in my sweaty ass clothes that I had worn in the race underneath my suit. Like the same piece, <laughs> Kenny. And I, I wake up the next morning. I literally showered, got in the car and went straight to Outback. And I'm standing there about midway through my shift. And I'm like, these people that I'm serving have no, I'm literally handing them blooming onions. They have no idea that last night I was on TV in a NASCAR race. Like here I am doing 120 miles an hour around Martinsville. And now I'm dropping off blooming onions, you know, like taking Drake orders. And it's, it's like, I wonder if people ever know who's serving them. So I'm like, let me tell people what it's like about to be a small time racing driver, who is also a college student, who's also trying to work a job and make a living, who's trying to find his way in the sport that he loves. So I'm like, let me craft a well-designed tweet. I'll take a picture of me in my Outback uniform, post a picture of the truck and see what happens. And it exploded. So let's do this like a major motion picture. Now, we told the end. That was the end uh, of, our, of our movie. Let, let's talk about how you got there. Now, I spent a lot of time last night. As I always do, I have my notes. So, Rayoon racing um, yes sir you and somebody else i believe another friend of yours you went to work at rayum as crew members is this right so the way it all started and i'll i'll jump back even further i'm gonna go back and i'll, I'll go on a little a little storytelling break here and i'll tell okay. you yeah, because no. because People make so many excuses. I can't do it. I don't have no money. So this is why this is so important for the kids out there that think they cannot do it. I was uh, growing up, Kenny, I'll tell you, I was a little like that too. So when I was a kid, was seven or eight, and, and I want to make this comment to you that I, I sent it over text to you when we were talking. One of the games that inspired my love of racing was NASCAR Thunder 2004. And I don't know how, I always ran into you. You were in the 23 stacker Dodge and 
every freaking race I crash into you. Pissed me off, but eventually I was a bad guy. <laughs> eventually, Kenny, I go out and I and I win the champ. I'm a nine-year-old kid, eight, maybe eight. I win a championship on the game. I walk upstairs to my dad, who knows nothing about racing. Like, Dad, I am so good at these video games. I bet you I'd be good at it in real life. He takes me to an indoor rental track. We do that for years, years, literally just go pay $20, do a race and leave. I racked up about a thousand races at this indoor rental track. So much so that when I was 11 and 12, my dad would drop me off on Wednesdays, leave me there. And I would just run constantly. When I turned 13, dad's like, I'm done. I don't want to spend any more money on this. I want to do something competitive. We get into competitive kart racing. And before you know it, I'm competing at a national level, like fighting for national championships. And it's pretty spectacular because while my dad spent a ton of money on my racing, he was not spending money like the people we were competing against. When you say a ton of money, are you talking like people that live in a subdivision work, you know, nine to five? Are you talking like thousand dollars, thousands? So I'll give you the number. The year we spent the most on racing, it was 80 or 90,000. And like, that's a ton of money. I, I, that's a I, lot of money. There were people we were competing against, though, Kenny, who would spend millions. It was crazy. So we actually raced against Matthew and Nick Latifi, who Nick Latifi ended up in F1 and raced for Williams for all those years. Like, you just watched the movie Gran Turismo. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's your story, basically. That's kind of what I feel like it is. Although, I don't want to say that because 80 or 90 grand is a shitload of money. Let's not. It's, it's a lot of money. So. Here I am. I get elected to Team USA, one of the best drivers in the country. They fly me out to Portugal to race. I'm complete stud, Kenny. I'm not going to beat around the bush. This is unbelievable. Well, I've said I'm the shit before, too, so keep going. <laughs> when, when I am 16, I'm a sophomore in high school. Dad gets diagnosed with stage four terminal cancer. Oh, man, I'm sorry. Six months. So sorry. I, I am a 16-year-old high school student. Now, mm -hmm. Detractions aside, obviously from a racing standpoint, there's there's no way you can continue driving. Your life perspective changes, the yeah. financial situation changes, and I had way bigger problems to worry about. So I retire. I walk away from the sport. I stay involved. I broadcast a little bit. I do some commentary stuff, which coolly enough ended up getting me a job with ESPN years later. And I worked and I broadcasted college sports for Virginia, which was sweet. Um but I, I, I left, for the most part, I left racing. Five years goes by. Five wow. years. We're now in 2021. So five, five years goes by because you lost your father. You were heartbroken. Hold on. Let me tell you. We're going we're, we're gonna to get there, Kenny. There's a big plot twist in this story. Okay? Dad's still around. Oh. Not only is he around at five years, he's still alive today. He's going to be in Bristol on Thursday. Oh my God, I'm happy. So, oh, I'm elated. But but this is where it comes from, okay? So before I'm a kid, dad pays for all the bills and racing. Not as much as other kids, but he does it still, right? <clears throat> 2021 rolls around and I'm in my room and news is coming out about date. It's January, it's COVID, it's right around my birthday. And, and all this news about Daytona is coming out. And I'm pissed because another year's going by where I'm never going to know if I was really good enough to be a NASCAR driver. And I am just angry, being a little ass to my mom, and ass to my dad, you know, giving them the good old one, two teenage special where you're kind of not being very pleasant to be around. Yeah. 
We've all been there. What's up? We've we've all we've all been to our parents because we want what we want. We start crying. Dad walks into my room, and and my dad is is a really cool headed guy. He has a super long fuse. When it blows, he knows what to say. Walks in my room. He's like, "What the hell is your problem?" And I'm like, "Dad, I, I never got my shot to race in NASCAR." And he gets mad, like starts throwing his arms up, doesn't know what to say, starts to walk away, Kenny, turns around, gets right in my face, puts his finger right into my nose and says, son, can I swear on this show? Can I say, I'm going to say, well, you just can't say the F word. Okay. So he uses the F word. I will say F word here. He puts his finger in my face and he goes, son, let me tell you something. If I treated my cancer the way you have treated racing in your life, I would have been dead five effing years ago. Wow. Turns around, walks away, does not say another word. Mm. And I remember sitting in my bed like, okay, here's this life event that has changed the trajectory of my life. It has kept me down for a while. I was upset about it. I was, I, it's something we live with on a daily basis. My dad's quality of life has been altered. And here he is telling me to, to just get it together. Like, what are you doing? And I remember sitting in my bed and I'm like, well, now, now I got to try something. Like, what am I going to do? Sit here and complain. I email every single owner, whether it be Rick Hendrick or Josh Rayu. And I heard back from one. Good for you. That one owner was not Josh Rayu. And I won't, I won't even mention who it was. It was a truck team owner who invited me to go do a driver development program. Mm. Now, I started trying to find money to go do this, Kenny. And eventually I ended up emailing the 70, the Philadelphia 76ers broadcaster, who was my broadcasting hero and good pen pal of mine. His name is Mark Zuma. And Mark emails me back and is like, I had no idea you were a race car driver. He's like, that's awesome. He's like, I know nothing about it, but let me connect you with one of my colleagues at NBC who does. That colleague was Michael Carey, who is now the social media director for SRX. Michael. I know him. Yep. Michael says, okay. Like I, lo- I like your story. We went to we went to uh, we went to a cheesesteak shop in Philly. Got some cheesesteaks together. Imagine that. We, <laughs> yep, yep. And he's like, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you connected with some people. Sends me on an email chain with Josh Rayum and a guy named Peter. I have no idea what Peter does, but the long and the short of it is, Peter said, "Don't go do this program. Come to Charlotte and learn how NASCAR really works." Mm. Oh, three, three days later, three. I packed my bags and I drove to Charlotte and there I was on Monday morning. I walked into RBR, which is Rayun brothers racing. And that's how I met Josh Rayun. I'll be damned. What a journey. What a journey. You know, it reminds me a little bit. I mean, I was, I was very lucky. My dad was a a winning local race car driver. Uh, I wanted to, I wanted, I wanted People would say to me, you're not your brother. I'm like, look, I never wanted to be my brother. I just wanted to be a race car driver. Yeah. And, yeah. and, the, and the road to get to these places sometimes can be very similar. You know, Stephen, in 1989, no, 80, no, 80, let me back up, 1984, myself and Bobby Labonte, I ended up being the crew chief at 22 years old on the Levi Garrett car. And there I saw Bobby years later, 1989, we end up racing in the Xfinity series together. 
these stories are amazing. So I guess their moral of the story is, is when we start our journey, whether we're going to be baseball, football, we know what our dream is, but we don't know exactly how to get there. And it it sounds to me like that was what you went through. Oh yeah. And and here's the thing that, and like, I never want to put my dad's cancer in a positive light, right? Like that's not what I'm doing here. But at the end of the day, I totally acknowledge that if my dad hadn't have gotten sick, I'd probably never grow up as quickly as I do. I probably never gain the life perspective that I now have. And I probably never feel that inspiration and motivation to go to Charlotte. Because here's my dad doing this impossible thing, beating the odds. This cancer has a 97.5% death rate after five years. We're going on year seven. Like this is, it's, it's crazy. And here I am telling him I can't become a NASCAR driver. Like yeah. what the hell am I talking about? Let me get it together. So I, when I walked into Josh's office, I basically got a job for it, like a, an internship. It wasn't paid, but Kenny, I knew nothing about race cars, like not a damn thing. So you so, already accomplished all this go-kart champion, won all these, but you didn't really know about the car itself. Yep. Yeah, and I knew, like, listen, let's be honest. I could work my way around a go-kart pretty well, but my dad, my dad had learned a lot of the mechanicing stuff. And, like, he, he's a lawyer from Pennsylvania. He knows nothing about race cars either. He did it because wow. he loved doing it with me. And one of the coolest stories that I'll, that I'll tell, and this will become pertinent later when we talk about Outback, but after every race weekend, my dad and I, he'd be the mechanic, I'd be the driver. Good or bad, win or lose, we'd find an Outback steakhouse to go eat at. It was our, it was our tradition. We loved it. We would go to Outback after every race. That's why later in the story, I end up getting let go from my job at Domino's as a delivery driver because I had too many speeding tickets. I know the irony, right? And I'm like, what's the closest job to pizza delivery I can think of serving? What's my favorite restaurant Outback? There's one not too far from here. Let me go get a job at Outback. So I, I love Outback and who doesn't? Uh, it, it's, it's very easy. It, it's a great restaurant. Uh, my, you know, I would go to Outback, believe it or not, sometimes for uh, their tilapia, because my family has a history of heart attacks and clogged up arteries. So, uh, you know, tilapia, sweet potato, uh, nice salad, but I know it's legendary for blooming onions and great steaks. So, Okay. We're where we're at now. So you're working there as a waiter at Outback. How do you get the phone number? How do you know who tells you? Do you Google it? Do you ask the store manager? Because now you're going to Bristol this week to run in the truck series at Bristol. And you got Outback on your truck. Is this a, is this a, Franchise sponsor, corporate sponsor. This is a this is a corporate sponsor. Okay, that's big. So, that's big. so this is I, the the the. Here's how it went down. Okay, when I sent this tweet, and this has been my specialty, right? I'm good at targeted marketing. I'm great at finding people and being like, okay, this that's is what, what it takes. Do. That's what it takes. So all throughout my career, I mean, you've looked at my sponsors. A lot of them are small companies that are somewhat close to where they're going to end up, right? Like that's what you, that's what you got to find. Um, and a lot of times I've, I've leveraged connections and this and that to get the money to go race. I, I've kind of just figured it out as I go. 
I've done any, uh, Kenny, I even sold my car to keep racing. Like I, I've just, oh, I read that last night. We'll, we'll, we'll have the conversation here in a minute if you want, but the Outback thing was, was nuts because after I saw it was blowing up, I went online and I tried to find on LinkedIn, the highest ranked Outback marketing executive I could find. Good job. And I found, I believe their director of marketing. And I saw that she had a Twitter. And not only did she have a Twitter, but it's a, it's a somewhat active Twitter. Yeah, but right. She, but she doesn't have a lot of followers. And it's very clear that people don't know that she's the director of marketing for Outback. So after the tweet started going viral, I tagged her. Oh. And, and apparently, I, I remember, here's basically what happened, Kenny. I walked into work one day for my shift. And there are like, there's like the, the proprietor of my store is basically like a general manager. It's, it's not really that important. They, he's like, he's like, listen, man, he's like, I had to talk to you. I'm like, oh my God, did I do something to get me fired? <laughs> he's like, he's like, no, he's like, it's actually great news. He's like, Outback noticed you. He's like, we got a phone call from, I got a phone call from my boss saying that someone in, in the corporate marketing department had reached out to see um, what we could do to help you in your racing career. And, and the whole thing for Outback is it's all about the relationship between employee and employer. Like it's they awesome. love this the fact. It is. Yeah. And it, and it's great because to have a company that loves their employees, the way that Outback does is great. And it, it's like a big family, man. Like I, I know it's tough to believe with a corporation, but the way that everything's been handled and the way that everything's gone, it's been phenomenal. So over the next few months, basically, like I got further and further up. I kept getting handed off until I got to the woman who's now my liaison at Outback, and she's she's a she's one of the execs at, at the corporate level who helps. There's a lot of support from from the regional from the regional side, right? Because obviously, like when you're in Bristol, it makes sense to do some some local activation in the Bristol area. Um, they wanted to do some local activation stuff in in my home in my home store, which is in Charlottesville. They wanted to do some local activation stuff in my home store in Deptford, New Jersey. But like at the end of the day, this is a corporate sponsorship. If you look at their national Twitter page, they're tweeting out about it from the national perspective. Um, and uh, I don't know how much I could talk about contract details, but like it's it's that, definitely that's up, that's up to you. But I would, yeah. you know, I, I would just say this. Um, I've got all my own sponsors my whole career. Yeah. And, you know, it. it there's an old, there's an old saying, Stephen. Speed cost. How fast do you want to go? So, yeah. if, you know, if if you're going to go one of the the best trucks, it's a hundred thousand dollars a race. I wish uh, it was that if, if, if you if you want to if you want to go with a team that's going to get two sets of tires and you know, hey, you know, you're forty thousand a race. Yeah, and and honestly, Kenny, that's what I've been doing. Like that's it's it's been that way. Like I am. I'll, I'll also add this. I am pretty confident that I am the least experienced driver to ever get behind the wheel in a national series race in NASCAR history. When I was, when I made my debut last year, Kenny, I, I basically didn't know how to shift on a road course. Like that's, that's how inexperienced. And I finished 22nd and like, it's, it's a, it's an easy thing to learn how to do once you get behind the wheel. But I maybe had the money that I had saved up through working all these hours each and every week and working at RBR to do six or seven late model races. That's you, it. Are, you are the epitome of, you know, Ricky Craven doesn't have a family that has a lot of racing background. Uh, William Byron, 
Uh, it is true that somebody like you, the mom and dad don't know nothing about racing and there's the kid. I mean, you, you are this story. Uh, lucky me, I kind of feel guilty right now. I grew up in a racing family, <laughs> but we did it for a hobby. Yeah. Your story's pretty incredible that you be, you, you're becoming a race car driver just because your dad loves you. Okay, son, let's go to the go-kart track. Yep. And, th and that's it. At the end of the day, that's it. And like the point I'm at now, Kenny, with, with the whole thing is my objective when I started doing this was my dad, This and this is really it. My dad said something that really pissed me off, lit a fire underneath me, and I went to show, hey, you committed all of your time and effort to raising me and, and giving me these racing experiences. It's my turn to show you I'm going to put the time and effort back in to make you proud. And then when I made that start last year at Mid-Ohio, I was kind of like, I did it. I'm good. And then some second, is that right? Yes, yes. And then some second in your de truck debut. Yeah. And, and by the way, that was for Josh Ray Newman, Ray and Brothers Racing, which we're a small team, man. 22nd for us. I think that was our best finish in the second half of the That's year. That's a good finish. That's a good finish. You're we racing. didn't buy all, we don't buy we didn't buy all the tires. Like we didn't. There's a lot of things that go into it. I am not spending a hundred thousand dollars a race to do this, man. Like it's it's nuts. When you're competing with people, and, and people don't seem to understand this concept about racing. And the best way I can describe it is if you and I went out and we wanted to just have a drag race on the street. And I gave you 175 grand to go buy a car and you gave me 25 grand to go buy a car. Does it matter who's the better driver? No, you're going to win the drag race every damn time. And that's kind of like the most accurate, simple comparison you can make to how NASCAR racing works. And I would love to one day get enough support, get enough backing to the point where I am spending money to try and get to a top tier ride doing races. But there's three prongs to that one you got to find the money first. Two, I would love to only use those opportunities when I feel like as a driver, I have enough experience to do something with it. And three, I need to not be in law school while I'm doing it. Because let me tell you something, law school and racing at the same time is damn near killing me. <laughs> so, so, you know what, what happens in life is, you know, I've taken sports therapy before. And, and, and we, we never, we never say, we know it's out there, but, and we remind people, but we don't talk about it all the time. In other words, you know, myself, uh, Kenny Wallace, you're an okay race car driver. Well, when Steve Park got hurt, I got in the Pennzoil car, set quick time in the cup series, led the whole race run second. Now, okay. That's because I got in a good car, but yep. I got it right here. Carl Edwards, Carl Edwards. Nobody knew who the hell he was. He comes, he comes to Indianapolis Raceway Park. And I'm like, who is this guy? He, he's handing out business cards. If you're looking for a driver, I'm the driver. Steven, this is the way Carl Edwards became a NASCAR Cup driver. When yeah. he was handing business cards out. So your story is not far-fetched. It's pretty incredible, but you are so far and few between. Your story is incredible. Thank you. Thank you. And like, I, I take a lot of pride in, I do, Kenny. I take a lot of pride in the fact that, hey, 
a lot of these kids in the garage these days are. I want to be careful. Say it's fine. There, there's a little bit. There's a lot of nepotism there. Like it's a lot of okay. Dad owns a company. I can write it off, and in reality, I'm spending half the money that I really would be to get in this ride. And it's advertising, you know. Like I, I got it. And they're signing the bills. You crash the truck, they pay the bill. You. It is why we see such a lack of respect in NASCAR today. It's because a lot of the kids who are driving the the equipment aren't paying to fix it. Yeah. Mom and dad are, and that's like that. When I go out there, Kenny, if I total a truck, okay, if I total a truck because of something I can't control, it is what it is, right? That's it happens. It's racing. If I total a truck because I'm a jackass, that's the end of my career. I can't afford to fix that. I don't have the money to, 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 to spend another 50 grand to repair a truck that's absolutely totaled. And I really just got to keep the nose clean and learn how to drive. And like, I think if more people had that experience when they're climbing through the ranks, we'd see so much more respect in NASCAR than we do today. When, when, um, I, when I came around, people would, uh, you know, sponsorships were plentiful. The teams always got the sponsorships. When I came along, I knew that the only way I could stay a race car driver because I, I listen, I only, I, I always call myself a, a B B minus race car driver. So the only way to stay in the seat is get your own damn money. Yeah. Uh, and now that's what the complete sport is about. Maybe, maybe Kyle Larson is the only one that yeah. is racing on talent alone. But nowadays, like you're saying, if you want to race, you got to bring money and the and the corners are going, where's your money? Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be a combo deal. And it's, it's not, it, it truly is crazy because could you imagine if the NFL were based on how much money you could, <laughs> That's like, funny. Like, that'd be nuts. We would not, we would not be watching, you know, Pat Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. We'd be watching some random ass kids throwing footballs 30 yards instead of Aaron Rodgers uh got hurt on the third play last night, but he's still gonna get his 20, 30 million for the year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we, we've we've um we understand the difference between all these sports. So let's let's wrap it up by you're going to Bristol this weekend. Tell me, uh I see you're racing. Is it called AM Racing? Yes, that is correct. You're racing for AM Racing, number 22, your age. Uh, yep. That would be a Daryl Walter cliche. Hey, 22 years old, running number 22. Uh, <laughs> tell me about this week. Uh, how do you feel? Have you been to Bristol? Tell me all this. So a, a lot of things. Uh, first things first. Got it. And the AM the AM deal is, is largely brokered by Josh. And Josh has been so helpful and instrumental in everything I've ever done in my racing career. So I think I, I need to always talk about him when I get the chance. Josh Broom is like a father to me. Um, and, and I think that just needs to be out of the way so I can say it and make sure I get yes. it clear. I understand. My brother, Rusty. I wouldn't be where I'm at without my brother, Rusty. I've yelled his name from the rooftop ever since I've started racing. <laughs> so this is my third race with AM. I'm excited to be back with them. Um, but I have never been to Bristol. And... And I am super duper. I've watched tons of onboard this week. Unfortunately, you know, with all the other stuff I'm doing between, I would do my own PR. I do my own contracts. I do my own everything. You're like, busy getting money. 
yeah, I don't hire anybody to do any of this stuff. Neither so do I. Me. And it's, yeah, yeah. And it's like super duper a lot to handle. But <laughs> right. the time that I do have, I am spending like watching the Bristol onboard footage. And it's crazy. It's like you're you're getting back to throttle and you can't see the corner because of how banked it is. And I'm like, holy moly, that's going to be friggin' something for the first five laps. So I'm a little nervous, especially because, you know, there, there are a couple things that you got to realize. One, when you're running, when you're running a little bit closer to the back, you lose a lot of laps at tracks like this, which increases the chance that you're going to be involved in some chaos, um, which is always a scary prospect. Two, I've never, I've never been on anything close to this bank in my life. You think about the racetracks I've done, Martinsville, literally zero banking, Mid Ohio, road course, yeah, it's a road course. Pocono, turn one's got a little, turn two and three doesn't really have that much. Not really. Gateway, turn three and four has no banking really. And turns one and two is like super, I guess it's kind of steep. But none of them are anything like Bristol. And I've been to Bristol before. I've been to the racetrack. I've, I've actually worked a couple of races for Josh there. The Just looking at the banking is intimidating. I mean, you see it. And you're you're like staggered. I mean, obviously you know this, Kenny, but like I'm I'm talking for anybody watching who might not have been yeah, to Bristol. It's it, it's insane. Yeah, I'm I'm one of the best at Bristol, and my brother is the best. And my advice to you would be, uh, the great Dick Trickle taught it to me. You must first finish to finish first. <laughs> but, but you but you got you got you got to keep up the speed there or else you will get in trouble and you know when you go out to practice uh you're you're gonna you're gonna make some laps and you're gonna come in and you're gonna look at that monitor and you're gonna go holy crap i'm two seconds off um and then you're gonna work up to it but my advice to you is you know you don't want to go to a backup truck you're in a unique situation where you don't have a big ass team Get in the race. Now, are you locked in the race? Base, basically, yeah. It would take, I think we're ahead of eight or nine trucks on the entry list in points, and only okay. two are going home. So I think it'd be yeah. tough to, it would Wait. be tough to miss. You, you, when you qualify, it, it, you're going to be cheating death. And I mean that, okay? Uh, but when you drop the green flag for the race, you, you, there's trucks in front of you, trucks behind you. You can't run that warp speed. Yeah. So now that now the vehicle starts handling different, uh, and then it becomes a short track race. We're we're qualified. You go to Bristol, you're qualifying warp speed, and then you're racing around each other, and then you got to you know handling's everything. But uh, so okay, uh, how close is the uh, switching subjects? Uh, how close is the Outback Steak Restaurant to Bristol Motor Speedway? So the one that I'm I'll be making an appearance at the Bristol Outback from. 11 to 1 on race day. It's about 10 minutes from the racetrack. Is race day Thursday? Yes, sir. Yes. Yep. Very excited. I, I'm like, I, don't, I know I said a lot about being nervous. I also want to make it clear. I'm elated. And like, this is yeah. a sweet deal for me. And even, let's say this is it. This is Outback's sponsorship of me. That's more than I ever expected to get out of them. One. That's awesome. Two, it's so cool for them to support somebody like me in, in my life journey. But three, even more valuable than the money they're giving me to get to Bristol, which is hugely valuable, obviously, is the fact that 
look at who I'm talking to. Like, I, I got interview requests from Barstool, from Fox Sports, from Kenny Wallace himself. Like, people, people are, are noticing the story, and it's building a brand. And now, when you go to other sponsors and you're like, hey, like, look at this. Outback is a Fortune 500 company, or Bloomin' Brands is a Fortune 500 company, and here they are. They've got my back. I'm like, that shows that I'm someone worth worth backing. And I think it will do wonders for my career. And I hope it does wonders for my career as I continue to try and navigate this, this NASCAR journey. So, Stephen, we're already at 40 minutes in Kenny conversation. We like to keep it right at an hour. Let me just say this, my friend. I love you to death. Uh, what got me where I'm at is my mouth. You've got a mouth like me. We are not short of talking. You are a lover. You mean well. You're super excited. You're a true Italian. I hear the passion in your voice. I love you. Um, do good. And I would say this, and, and this is so positive. Uh, our careers in our life, we know it's a journey, but you got stair steps. And, and let's say there's 22 steps. And right now, to me, you're like on the third step. Uh, you know, you're 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 new. You have so much to look forward to, and um, congratulations. You are, uh, you know, I, I'm. We're gonna make sure we yell from the top of the moon, uh, so everybody hears your story because this is very encouraging. And thank uh, you. Do good. I I will certainly do my best. And let me tell you something. You're in Missouri now, you said? Yeah, yeah. If I'm ever in Missouri, you got to buy me a beer. But if you're ever in New Jersey, I'll take care of you, okay? You give me that's, a rant. That's easy. That's easy. Well, listen, everybody. There he is, Stephen Malozzi, one of the biggest stories in America right now because he doesn't have any money. Uh, <laughs> his dad spent it all on him. What a story. It, it's the start of a journey. And uh, remember, we are in podcast form, iTunes, Spotify, listen to this story on your way to work, on your way back home. And Kenny conversation just keeps on rolling. We got Calvetti in the pipeline. We got Kurt Bush in the pipeline. Steven, thank you so much. Of course. We'll talk soon.